0: Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to welcome you to the show today. Of course, I got my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley, on the bottom square this morning. Rob, how are you?
1: Doing terrific, Todd. Great to, to be back on The New Media Show. And we, we have a terrific guest with us, too. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? Well, Owen Grover, the CEO of Pocket Casts, uh, the, the leading podcast listening platform uh, to, to listen to podcasts. has been around for many, many years. and and uh, he's, he's uh, been leading the charge over there for a long time with this very popular podcast listening app. And great to have him on the program. Thanks, Owen.
2: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gl- glad to have you on. And uh, I tell you, I,
0: I, I'm excited to talk to you because in all fairness, this is the first time we've actually had an app developer or you know come on. I'm not saying app developer, but an app, what's a better word? Provider, listening yeah, app, I mean, yeah, listening, listening,
2: app. listening platform, listening, <laughs> yeah, listening platform. Sure, we, come on and talk yeah. to us.
0: So, uh, you know, and I think that uh, Rob and I are, you know, we're getting ready to uh, head out to uh, Podcast Movements Evolutions. I think you're going to be out there too. I'm not sure, but we're getting ready to talk about RSS a lot at, uh, at Podcast Movement as well. So, I, I think one of the topics I'd like to cover today is your thoughts on podcast expansion or RSS expansion, but let's talk about podcasts first. So, for those that Great. don't know, why don't you give them the 411?
2: So PocketCast is, we think, absolutely the best way to listen to all your favorite podcasts. It was uh, The company was founded in Adelaide, Australia, um, all the way back in 2008. The app was launched in uh, early 2011. And uh, the two co-founders, Russell and Philip, have really been at the forefront of bringing a premium podcast listening experience to mobile apps. When they started doing it, there really weren't any mobile apps that were out there um, that allowed you to take your podcast with you wherever you went. Podcasts were still at that point um, really tethered to the desktop experience through iTunes or or through web listening. So they they have a long experience, a long uh, long history of building really thoughtful, um, really beautifully designed podcast uh, apps for for iOS, for Android, for web, um, Android Auto. Uh, you name it; every platform you can think of. Sonos. Uh, we uh, we recently launched um, uh, Amazon Echo skill. So really, um, our our theory on this is we want to be exactly where podcast listeners expect us to be, with all the features and the services and the affordances that they're looking for. Um, I joined the company back in early two thousand eighteen when the um, when the the founders partnered with National Public Radio NPR WNYC. WBEZ Chicago and This American Life, with the goal of building out a sustainable podcasting platform, not only for public radio, but for independent producers of all stripes. And it's been my real pleasure to work with these guys on growing the platform, um, building out new business models, developing features, working more closely with the podcasting um, ecosystem, and generally just improving the app overall for, for all of our users.
0: Rob, I, I know that you've got a lot of thought about things going on in the, in the app space per se. I'm going to go ahead and kick to you.
1: Yeah. Well, Owen, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your philosophy and your app around discovery of podcasts and kind of where you see that, that area, you know, moving more towards, because, you know, I know, you know, Todd and I hear a lot of people talking about that there's. There's a podcast discovery problem and 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 when you think about that topic, you immediately think, you know, well, what are the the listening apps doing to help people discover podcasts? I mean, what's your kind of kind of view on that right now as you look at you know you're reaching your customers, you know, with a terrific listening experience?
2: It's it's a really great question. When when people tell us why they appreciate pocket casts, they generally uh, focus around three key areas. The first is we just um, have a really thoughtful design, great UX. It's really pleasing to look at. Um, nice. It's a it's a fun app to use. It's really feature packed. Um, it's a premium experience. This the second thing that they say is they appreciate the fact that we're dedicated to a seamless cross cross platform experience. Right? We're not just iOS. We're not just Android. We're not just web. Um, we're 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 not just uh, you know uh, connected devices. We're all of those things because we understand um, that this is table stakes thinking into the future. Um, Podcasts should be available wherever listeners expect them to be, and and that's on any any connected device. But the third thing that they say, and this comes up as frequently as the other two, if not more, is our thoughtful approach to curation. Uh, Unlike some of the other players in the space, we really dedicate uh, an area inside of the app called our Discover section um, to curating what we think are the most um, important, exciting, Uh, enjoyable podcasts across a host of different genres. And we built out a team internally that's focused on that kind of curation. Now, from our perspective, podcasting is still such uh, a community-driven and uh, an emotionally resonant medium. We've really taken a human-focused approach to curation. Um, And and that doesn't mean that we don't use algorithms, because we absolutely do. What it does mean is that we put people first. We have people listening to all the podcasts before we would ever recommend them. Um, And we take that role um, that we play very, very seriously. Now, I I am not in any way a Luddite. I think that there are lots of different technological frameworks that can be brought to bear to provide um, better personalized discovery for all listeners. But we also feel very strongly that you can't disintermediate the, the, the role of listeners in all of this. And if we're going to recommend something, to um, the folks who use our app, we want to make sure that it has the podcast, the Pocket Casts uh, sort of house, good housekeeping seal of approval.
0: So, so what is a uh, Pocket Cast seal of approval for a show? Because I'm sure there's uh, podcasters listening here. Say, oh, what's the magic sauce for that?
2: Well, make a good podcast. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we're, we're not. <laughs> we're, we're not looking for a specific genre. Um, what I would say is, obviously, we are focused on new voices, right? So the discoveries section shouldn't be a place where you go and find the same 20 30 40 podcasts that everybody is very familiar with right um you know uh, we we are uh, we're we have plenty of joe rogan listeners uh, in our audience and and they don't need our help in finding uh shows like that they need our help and and they expect us to um provide them with lens on you know the new voices the new stories the new genres that are emerging right it, it, it's typically the case that our listeners are pretty up to speed on what's happening in terms of journalism, in terms of tech, you know, the stuff that we, that we all have been listening to for 10, 15 years now, right? Those voices are w- well represented already among our top listened to podcasts. So we see our role in broadening the palette of, um, of what we can turn our listeners onto. So we're really focused on, you know, diversity in all senses of the word. You know, we want to see young podcasters taking root and growing. If we can help uh spread the word about a new voice that we think is compelling, then we're doing our
0: jobs. You know, I think too a lot of podcasters are worried today that they're they're just kind of being lost amongst all the commercial stuff. And, you know, you see this continued, it's just kind of like undercurrent of discussion where you know, you hear about the big mainstream shows that are coming from Gimlet and Napoli and all the, you know, the meg- all these big media creation houses. And then you have the independent content creators who are just like all they see talked about are aka, these top level shows. And they're kind of, you know, being that they make up 95% of the podcasting space or maybe even more, maybe 97%, you know, it kind of sometimes discourages them to hear them say, I'm just buried. I can't be found. Right. Um, right. And I, I know that you, it's good that you're trying to do this, bring new voices to the forefront. But what do you think the split is in on Pocket Cast for indies versus mainstream shows? And
2: Right. Well, I mean, the, the, the truth is, is that as we think about promoting new shows, um, we're not necessarily more heavily weighting uh, a, a producer just because they come from a well-funded ne- you know, media network right. or what have you. Um, right. we are, uh, we're open to anyone. Um, you know, we have a, 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 really wonderful head of curation. Her name is Darian Muka. And if anyone out there would like, um, to, uh, submit their, their podcast for consideration, um, for curation or promotion within our app, you can just email her at Darian, D-A-R-I-A-N at pocketcasts.com. And she's very good. Listens to everything. And um That's is true. an extraordinary spotter of talent. She's really a, a key member of the team and really relishes this role. I mean, think about it. It's a job in which you get to listen to great podcasts yeah. all day long, work with the top producers in the game, um, uncover uh, unheard voices and play the role of helping to bring those voices to our passionate users. Now, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about PocketCast for a second, you know, in all of this. This is not a platform necessarily for casual users. We already know that every iOS device ships with a built-in podcast uh, player, right? And and now, increasingly, so do Android devices, right? So you're not picking Pocket Casts if podcasts are a third or fourth choice in terms of media consumption, and if you'd rather watch a YouTube video or you'd rather listen to music or what have you. Our fans are the medium's most passionate listeners. Our listeners are listening on average, 10 hours a week on our apps, right? 10 hours on average, which means that half of them are listening more than that, if you can believe it, right? So again, putting, we, we may not be as big as the, 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 the Apples or, or the Spotify's of the world, but putting your content in front of our listeners means that you're getting access to a deeply dedicated, very emotionally invested group of the medium's most passionate fans. And That's what we do. Our focus is on giving them a great experience. And the only way we can do that, right, is by taking great care and demonstrating that we care about uh, promulgating great new storytellers because our fans don't need any help finding all the most famous publishers out there. These are super users. We can't tell them what they already know. We need to help them find something great that's new.
0: Oh, and I think you've hit on something here that maybe a lot of podcasters don't even know. So, you know, I think the last survey results I've seen maybe come out of some of the groups say that the average is like six or seven hours of listening a week. So for you guys, you know, this should be a selling point going back to podcasters saying, listen, this is why you recommend Pocket Cast to your audience, because people that are using Pocket Cast are listening for as much as 10 hours a week. And that means that, AKA, number one, the chance of them listening to your show is higher because there's just more listening hours being happening on the app. Even that's though it. even though you're battling with these juggernauts that are out there, the Spotify and the Apples of the world, and trying to continue to gain market share, but to say that you've got an average of 10 hours, you know, and if you guys can continue to drive that number right, my goodness, that's that's huge when you come back and telling podcasters, this is why you should promote pocket cast on your show.
2: Indeed. Indeed. For us, it's critically important. Um, You know, this is, yeah.
1: Go ahead and continue. i have a question for you after. Go ahead.
3: Sure. So, you know,
2: um, we take that role very, very seriously. And we we do love to tell the world um, about that gaudy stat. Um, And, you know, the thing that we've found that's been incredibly heartening is that in the midst of all this great competition, um, our usership continues to increase and grow uh, and flourish. And, and and that time spent is very, very stable. Um, I've seen it in the past six months be as high as 12 hours a week, um, 14 hours a week, I think over the summer was our high watermark. So, um, you know, the, it's, it's, uh, it, it is it's a platform for deeply passionate fans. And we are really excited to, in, to inter- interact with any new producers and publishers out there. We don't care whether or not you're doing it in your broom closet or if you're doing it in a well-outfitted studio. What I would say, however, is if you care about the medium, you'll want to support a platform like ours because we're focused first and foremost on growing right, and cultivating this medium for what it is. Not as an add-on, not as an additional feature to, to to filigree alongside of radio streams or alongside of on-demand music or, uh, or algorithmically curated music playlists. If you care first and foremost about this medium, if you're deeply passionate about seeing podcasting grow and flourish, then we're a great platform to use. And the other thing that happened was back in September, we were, we were a premium app, meaning you had to pay uh, whatever the equivalent is in your area, but um, in the US, 3.99 to download the app. And we felt very strongly that philosophically that didn't align with our public media partners. Our, our public media partners are, are are dedicated to free and open access, and so what we did was we switched our business model to make the app downloadable for free, and then we offered a, uh, a call it a premium tier, um, and then if you like, there's some additional services, new services and features that we put behind a very modest paywall, and you can upgrade, and that helps us drive sustainability. But um, in so doing, we've made the app available to anyone who's interested. And we've taken away that barrier of the 3.99 for for a download.
1: What's your philosophy around um, subscriptions uh, versus following, and if you can talk about how that um, impacts uh, what a common term uh, of churn, right, around people connecting with shows. you know, I used to run a listening platform myself for my content creation side, and I saw a lot of data that showed a lot of churn around people subscribing to podcasts. Are you seeing that on the platform where people are subscribing and unsubscribing and trying new shows on a continual basis? Are there any kind of ratios that you can share with us about what's happening in, in that area?
2: Well, uh, what I would say is, um, obviously, we have our own data. And, and what I'd say is our, our, our listeners tend to be quite loyal. Um, and they're willing to try, uh, you know, all sorts right. of new shows um, and right. are, and uh, you know, we tend to have uh, a multiple of the numbers of, subscrip- of sub- uh, subscriptions per user um, than right. you might see um, on, a, on a more casual platform um, where w- where there are, you know, less dedicated, passionate listeners. Um, right. You know, I think at the end of the day, there, there are two pieces here, which is, um, you know, you got to look at the, the composition of the audience. Right. So what kinds of people are coming into our front door? Right. Because we definitely do position ourselves as a platform for for heavy, engaged, loyal listeners of podcasts. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing you have to look at is, uh, you know, what kind of stories are you telling and creating uh, uh, the right kind of cadence and um, developing content that's really that's, um, you know, that's really compelling. And my taste may be different than yours. And we're going to ask you, uh, or offer to you, a whole bunch of of, of uh, a diversity of of voices and storytelling styles and genres and formats, mm-hmm. daily, weekly, fiction, nonfiction, you name it, right, all over the all yeah. over the map. And right. it's just the case that when you offer new things, you know, some of that stuff is going to stick, and some of it doesn't. But that's no excuse not to continue to do that with great consistency and regularity. I think that the you know, we have users who have used our platform for years and years, right? And Mm -hmm. um, some of those folks may have a very good sense of what they're looking for in a podcast. Some of those folks may be interested in, in trying new things, but we definitely see it as our role not to overthink the different cohorts of users, but to be thinking about the best way to spotlight new content and new voices on the platform. Right now, we can curate based on device, we can curate based on geography, but in order for us to make um, a really big splash, particularly with the, um, with the, with, with the curational affordances that are, that are most visible inside the app, we don't want mm-hmm. to slice and dice our audiences too much. If we think a podcast is great, we're willing to put it in front of 100% of our users.
1: Right. So, but as, as listeners kind of uh, listen to a show for a while and then they unsubscribe and then they subscribe to a new show, is there any kind of data that you guys are capturing in that uh, to get an idea of what what the activity of a typical um, podcast listener is doing right now around you know connecting with shows at that level? Right. And, I mean, because I saw it back when I was running the Zoom podcast platform, it was about, it was about 50% a week is what I saw. And I'm just curious if over time, we've seen that churn number drop because the quality of content has gone up. I, I oftentimes have wondered that the reason back in the early days of the medium that I saw such a high churn of 50% a week of subscriptions uh, was because the content quality was kind of all over the map back then. But now I think right. things have definitely improved. Uh, and I just wonder if, that, that if people are sticking with shows longer because the shows are typically better.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I think about churn for our app, I'm thinking about users of the app. Um, And while, and and I want to be really clear because this is this could spark uh, another two-hour conversation about PII and and data on users and and so on. Um, We have not built the app such that we're terribly concerned at all or have any interest in your PII. You know, your 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 sex, your your zip code. That that's not our model. Our model is not to create. Um, you know, a PII file that we then sell to a third party advertiser or a data collection mm-hmm. entity of any sort. That is not the business that we're in. And we right. can certainly have a philosophical conversation about, you know, what advertisers have come to expect and, and, mm-hmm. you know, the unfair, um, you know, ground rules that have been um, put in place for many years now by the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. But I, what I really want to be clear is that in terms of what we look at, we're looking at, you know, is the app attractive to people who listen to podcasts a lot? How do we keep them engaged so that they stay inside the platform curation being a key part of this? And I don't want anyone to to walk out of this conversation thinking, I'm looking at individual users and tracking their behavior. I am not, that is not what this is about. Um, You know, what we tend to see is our users are quite loyal. Um, So the stat you're asking about, I I don't have in front of me, but the churn I'm really focused on, Is if I get someone into the top of the funnel and they subscribe to a a podcast or two, can I keep Mm -hmm. them engaged and involved in using the app? Am I doing a good job of meeting or exceeding their expectations for what they're looking for in a podcast listening experience? And that's my number one focus.
1: Sure.
0: You know, I think getting to Rob's point, though, I look at, you know, having done my show now for 15 years is that I know that listeners have stayed a couple of years, went away a couple of years, come back for a couple of years, went away for a couple of years. And I've got this long history to be able to to know that internally. That's what happens. But I think a lot of podcasters would kind of like to know. And I don't think this is something that would really invade your listener privacy numbers, but I think it'd be nice if a podcaster could get some sort of it because mm. they, they're just looking for indication. Did, did I lose three? Did I gain five? You know, what, what was the, What's the ratio or did someone stay two months or three months? Because it's real telling to a, to a podcaster if all of a sudden, let's say they do an episode and they cover a topic and they lose 25 subscribers on an app. They're going to go, what did I do? How did I, why did right. I lose those? And it might give right. them some insights into being able to say, uh, I need to change this. To, you know, it changes in my programming to so that I'm not having as much churn. And I think from that perspective, you're not really giving any, we lost Rob again. We're not getting any, um, the other one set up to auto answer. This one is,
3: but anyway, right, just right. get, no, you it's, know, it's, it's a fair, yeah. So it. it no, I, let, me, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. I'll sure. answer that. So, so, um,
2: I think, you know, if I take a step back and I hear what you're saying, um, it, two things come to my mind. The first thing is Apple has been the industry leader in terms of promulgation of the medium and I call them like an absentee landlord, right? They've, they've been at the forefront first with iTunes and sideloading onto iPods and then obviously um, with, um, you know, with the, the native app that they have uh, standard on, an, on any iOS device you buy That's for several years now. And I think that um, even going back um, to the latest update that they made to the latest big update they shipped to stats, I think it was in late 2017 or early 2018. Um, I, I think what, I'm, what, what I've heard frequently from publishers is um, given the amount of uh, throughput that they represent, um, you don't always um, have access to all of the data you'd like to see, all mm-hmm. of the insights you'd like to see uh, regarding, you know, how your listeners are responding reacting um you know uh churning as you as you mentioned and then and and the flip side of that is the server side data you get from hosts also may leave something to be desired and and with pocketcast what we have is we own the last mile yeah right and one of the reasons that i think um the public radio consortium that came together uh to partner with pocketcast um, was so eager to do that was because owning that last mile in a world where you're competing with multi-billion dollar multinational corporations is critical. Even if you don't own uh, you know, a majority of the audience, you still own a, you know, a very dedicated and statistically significant minority. And that data can be quite directional um, and useful. And I do think it does make sense because we do have, I would call it consumption data rather than PII. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have consumption data and you know there, there certainly are ways that we can think about productizing that consumption data in a way that might be useful and helpful uh, to our publisher partners. And, I, and I, I, I hear you loud and clear. I think part of it is understanding better specifically what people are, are looking for. Because the stuff that, can, that we can easily pull right now without any, um, you know, sophisticated data science um, is, you know, the basics, right? Like how long did someone, how long on average did people listen to this episode? Uh, you know, did they subscribe or unsubscribe? How many total subscribers did you gain, you know, since the last, uh, you know, since the last episode or during that last period of time? And I don't know right now whether or not that represents any greater sophistication than what's uh, already available um to publishers out there and i wouldn't want to you know take our um our team you know we're 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 small we're we're nimble and we're but we're very powerful but you know focus when you're running a startup is paramount so i would want to understand really really well okay so if we're gonna um play a role as a smaller but very dedicated and you know a very influential partner what are we building that's actually a value how is that value then uh distributed across The network of our publisher partners, right? And how does that help us in the long term become a more sustainable, more stable, more growth oriented platform? Because at the end of the day, right, we've got to, you know, we've got to find a way to, um, you know, to make this business work on its own terms. We famously have not taken any VC money, right? We had the opportunity to do so. Um, We worked with some, you know, really lovely investors in the space. This is not an anti VC screed by any stretch of the imagination. But we made a philosophical decision to eschew that money because what we were trying to build here was something that was for the public interest, right? So so storytelling, right? A platform that exists um, around storytelling, uh, journalism, voices, right? Independent producers, public media producers in the public interest, right? And so um, in so doing, we've made decisions to be focused and lean. Right. So this is a very long winded way of saying, tell me, tell me what you think is needed and let's figure out if there's a business there that makes sense for everybody.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, it may segue into another conversation that, you know, has been churning at the, you know, kind of on the undercurrents a little bit is about privacy of listeners. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm a big advocate of privacy of listeners. I'm I don't I think we have enough data already We know first of all, as content creators, we know who our audience is because we're talking to them and we know who's listening because they're listening to our type of content. We and we should know our listeners. We and and then doing some basic stuff on our own with some demographic surveys. You don't need a lot to be able to say this is who my audience is. Yet we're beginning to start to go into a stage now where the commercialization of the space is continuing to increase and people are coming in and says, we want more, we want more, we want more. And do we want to go down the road of, you know, we're on Facebook today. We've all given permission for Facebook to suck everything we put in there and and personalize it. And you know, I was actually kind of laughing because I was thinking about buying a trench coat yesterday. I, I was just thinking about it, but I got an ad today <laughs> on Facebook for, for a trench coat. So somehow they read my mind, but, <laughs> um, it is kind of spooky, so, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm thinking myself: did I speak trench coat out loud anywhere? But anyway, so we've already given permission to Facebook and Google and Apple to collect data on us. Mm-hmm. But do we do we continue to push and and do we invade the privacy of our listeners? And I I've got a big concern about that. I'm, I'm if if they say yes, you can take the information from us. Uh, okay, I'm great. That's fantastic. I'm a data
1: guy too, but they don't have a way to say yes right well that's a good that's a good no, question no, I think for, you, for, for Owen here is I mean no. is is a does it make sense for a listening platform like Pocketcast to have an opt-in for that kind of stuff
2: i mean it's it's certainly something that we've um, you know we've discussed and, and 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 looked at but I think philosophically the place that we're coming from and it's really important because Um, you know, we have got to start with some core principles, right, that that you really Mm -hmm. embrace and that you stand for. And one of those principles is one of the beauties of this medium is traditionally and and even up until now, it has not required the abdication of, you know, the kind of invasive Mm -hmm. public, uh, I'm sorry, private information. um, So typical of other platforms, right? And, and that isn't a bug. It's a feature, right? Right. Right. Brand marketers, Brand marketers have said, well, you know, we would love to get more involved in podcasting. Um, but you know, uh, these, uh, these tech monopolies, the, you know, the fang companies have gotten us accustomed, right? To getting all of this PII and being able to slice it and dice it however we want to better market our wares. And I happen to be in the camp of, Hey, you know, I, I, I lived in, in the digital media space for many, many years. I mean, I, I, I did, I think, my first um, uh, uh, digital music startup in the late 90s. right? And I helped to create this platform that I'm sure you're all familiar with called iHeartRadio. You can <laughs> look it up. My name is there. It's true. And, and so I lived that life and I've been in those worlds. And you know, in every one of those steps that I took, you know, I really felt strongly that we were doing something that had a really clear and obvious consumer benefit. But at a certain point along the lines, uh, the, the cat got out of the bag in a really profound way. And I think it created unreasonable and unfair expectations on the part of brand marketers. Now, of course, getting brand marketers involved in podcasting means that, the, that it's a rising tide that'll lift all boats a lot more money in for producers, uh, you know, monetization options. And by the way, that shouldn't be the only way that, th- that, this, that, that, you know, that this medium gets monetized. And those unfair expectations do not need necessarily to apply to this medium, right? And so our founders, Russell and Philip, who are terrific, you know, wonderful, thoughtful, um, bright, Effective developers, smart strategists like and I like we wouldn't be working together if we didn't philosophically agree on this tenant, which is that if you don't have to collect the data, you shouldn't collect the data. And in as much as you are collecting data, it should be very, very clear to the user what they're being asked for, why, and what benefit it gives them. There's just too much data collection that happens without the consent or without any sort of value proposition being clearly articulated to users. And I don't care, look, I'm on Instagram. I I try not to spend too much time on Facebook, but I'm on Instagram so I can post pictures of my family or a concert I go to or something like that, or a great podcast event that I attend. Um, And and it's fun, and again, I'm not here to decry these platforms. I'm there to say that the beauty of the medium is that it doesn't require that we abdicate any of this stuff. And why wouldn't we wanna protect that? Why would we be in a Mm. race to meet these platforms that have so clearly betrayed the public interest we're having right. conversations every day about how Facebook and similar platforms have coarsened you know not only the the, the kinds of conversations and and uh, you know our political culture but have in some ways undermined our democracy undermined the uh, and manipulated people and that's not what we want from this medium this medium has so many benefits that in fact countervail those uh trends that we've seen across social platforms and so we should be very very ruthless in protecting those areas because they make the medium special unique and differentiated
0: oh and you and i are going to be good friends
1: so (laughs) (laughs) but yet why why are we seeing so much pressure in the medium to uh to, to jump on board it must be just all about there's more money there right
2: um, yeah, I think that's part
1: of it. That's part of it. And, and if I, there again, is, I, I, I mean, thought... is there more money there is my question. I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that there's that much more to make it worth it. I, you know, it's a good question. I
2: don't pretend to know. I Here's what I do know um, from my past life is that if you talk to brand marketers and you talk to the digital agencies um, and the broader brand agencies uh, that 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 represent them, they have been fed a lot of data from a lot of different sources over the past 10 years. Right, And they've come to expect. Now, just because they've come to expect doesn't mean if the product is as good as we believe it to be. And I mean, podcasting generally, not just our product. We love our product. Sure, Podcasting is such a great product, such a compelling product, such a compelling experience for listeners, right? Such an emotionally resonant storytelling methodology, right? And a way to reach people where they are with deep, engaging storytelling, right? Guess what? That's why brand marketers want to be involved, not because you can overlay right. <laughs> data sets on top of it. And as you said, Todd, quite rightly, there's a lot you can know by being in conversation with your listenership. Yep. Right. right. Most of what we know about our podcast listeners comes because they tweet at us. There's a subreddit. They leave us reviews in the app store. <laughs> they write us hundreds, hundreds of emails a day. I think what's really funny is the support requirements of pocket cap at at our size, which is, you know, we're, we're substantial, but not, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we're not, we're not the size of Apple or Google or, or so on, um, are similar in size and scale to the support requirements that we had at iHeart, which, and I know, I knew the numbers there and I know the numbers here. I mean, iHeart was a, a much bigger platform, but, but it speaks to the level of engagement and passion and enthusiasm that the medium elicits from the listeners right? So if we're seeing as the same number of emails and tweets, you know, uh, roughly that I would see at, uh, at iHeart, which was, you know, many times larger as a, as a digital platform, that tells you something.
0: And I think too, as podcasters, maybe, you know, and I, I've just, this is just rough polling. There's no science behind it at all. It's just kind of like, hey, what do you think? And I think we see now even content creators are 50, 50% on the fence on this information on PII on, on listeners. And, um, yeah. to me that, that yeah. kind of surprises yeah. me just a little bit, but, uh, it, it's just the time that we live and the, and the, and the changes right. that we're in and you know, people say, well, I'm being collected everywhere else. What's the difference now? Uh, I, I don't necessarily take that. Hey, they take that tack, but, uh, you know, from our perspective and I know Rob's company as well is we're concerned about it. And I mean, in fact, I'm right in the middle now of negotiating out some licensing agreements with some attribution companies, because, if a podcaster creator says, you know, we're just a hosting company. And if a content creator that owns his show says, yes, I want attribution tracking, that should be his choice. And he should be able to go and say, yes, I sign up for that. I'm good with it. Um, but a lot of podcasters just don't know that data is already being collected. And, you know, I think they, they have a right to, and, you know, sometimes some of that stuff is buried deep in terms of services. So, I, you know, I was real happy when, more than a year ago, I think you guys came out and said you weren't going to support RAD, which I think a lot of us talked about that a lot because of your right. investor um, or part owner or whatever that relationship is. That just told me right there, there's the culture of Pocket Cast because that, that just laid it out right there. It's like, whoa, they're not going to employ RAD. That was, that was quite a statement.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I here, here's what I'd say. The, a lot of the heavy lifting in this space around conversation around privacy has been done by, you know, folks much more influential than me. I, I think about sort of the constant conversation uh and um uh you know the the thoughtful approach that someone like uh Dave from um uh Basecamp, CTO of Basecamp, who's a longtime podcaster and creator of Ruby on Rails and 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 tweets at DHH. Um, at DHH, um, you know, and he, he's, he's been banging that drum pretty loudly. Um, I know Marco, um, yeah. at Overcast, which is in many ways, um, you know, very, uh, comparable to, to, um, our app in terms of the kinds of audience that uh, audiences that, uh, that he attracts has been, you know, very loud about it. I, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to bang a drum and call people evil. I, I understand why podcasters or producers or networks. Would like to have access to more information to help them make better content and programming decisions, to help them understand their audiences, to help them monetize. Everybody here needs to, you know, put food on the table. So I'm not sitting in judgment. Um, I have a point of view um, and I don't feel the need to, um, you know, to scream and yell. And I totally understand why Rad might be important to NPR. And, and, and again, I'm going to say something that may, that may seem um, like I'm playing counter to the role you've just given me, but NPR is a public media platform,
3: right? right?
2: And when they're talking about sustainability, they're not talking about profit making. They're talking about, are they able to reach listeners who then may become members? And by the way, you don't become a member of NPR. You become a member of a member station. Right. Right? right. So their approach to data collection comes from a vastly different place. And people should understand that it is unfair to, to, to sort of lump them into the same sort of bucket in terms of their goals, their aspirations, and their motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. As you would a corporate profit making entity that's in the business to build a you know, new ad tech layer. And, and needs the data or else their business model will fall over. This is about the sustainability of the public media ecosystem. And so, you know, our decision on RAD back then was not driven by some notion that we thought, oh boy, they have the wrong, uh, uh, you know, they, they have the, the, the wrong notion, they have the, the, you know, the wrong motivations. Not that at all, right? It's that we were making changes to our platform and we needed to wa- hold our users' hands through that. And what we didn't want to do was, was implement a whole bunch of different changes that wouldn't be comprehensible nor explicable to users who had been with us for years and years. And that in order to put anything like that into our app, A, we would want it to be opt-in and B, we'd want a chance to explain to listeners why we were making this a part of our ecosystem,
0: And right? th- a and part of our app ecosystem. And I think too, just so those that are not RAD was not about collecting personal identifiable information. It was just, that's right. it was about collecting when you stop, when you play, when you scrub the head. Right. So just so everyone understands. And, and we were, it's a different conversation. It's a different conversation. Right. And we, and we were supporting RAD. So I'm not saying that, again, we're data junkies, but we're just making sure that from our perspective was, is that as long as there's no PII, I think I, I'm good with collecting anonymized data. But now we're dealing with GDPR. We're dealing with CCPA. Right. We got a whole bunch of other stuff going on there, and there's a whole complexity to that. So, I I I don't know. If we kill the dead horse here on privacy. Maybe we can. I don't know. Rob, can I move this conversation along to ex- <laughs> to expansion of the
1: space and adding new new things? Yeah, or? yeah, Let's 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 definitely move it on. You know, and 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 find out. You know, how Owen's thinking about RSS as you look to the future, and I. And is there something that he'd like to see happen that could be maybe more customizable to his platform? Uh, or, yeah. I don't know, Todd, go, go, go ahead and ask him. Well, you want to ask I, I think what Rob and I, together, we've
0: kind of come up with, you know, there's always the discussion, what's next? How do we take podcasting to the next step? And anytime someone starts talking about doing something out of RSS, my uh, alert radar goes off and mm-hmm. I get very, very scared that this is or we're putting people into. You know, when this space started in 2004, it was truly a double finger, the man, we are not participating. We're not going to be controlled. We're not going to allow gatekeepers. This was truly how the space got started. So because RSS is open and the space has remained open and anyone can join, you know, it doesn't, you, know, you got someone now in five minutes can sign up for an anchor account and be recording a show you know, this, This space has changed completely and it's completely open to anyone to doing a podcast. And that's why we see diversity groups. That's why we see women and men of of color, all this, these groups coming in and creating content. It's, it's really, really exciting. So whenever I hear someone say we need to change podcasting because RSS is limiting, I, you know, I'm like, okay, what, what's your uh, financial objective? So Rob and I have, are discussing and we're going to have a meeting at Podcast Movement Evolutions where we're going to talk about expanding with tags and elements within the existing RSS 2.0 spec. What can we add that will bring benefit not to just a, 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 um, a network? How can we help the app developers bring new right. cool features that they can implement on their side that's right. going to benefit the audience because we want to grow, right? We want to grow audience. What can we do to grow audience? So, this is a very hard thing. This is gonna be like hurting cats um, to the hundred oh, yeah. degree, because we have to understand that everyone's got an agenda. Everyone doesn't matter how they come to the table; they have an agenda. So, how do you weigh what is a benefit to roll for, all, for right. all and not run into and make sure we keep the space open and not. You know, and so everyone has a bunch of ideas. So I'm just kind of curious <laughs> if you had a magic wand and you could say, "Oh, I wish I could improve this, this, and this," and maybe you haven't gave this some thought. So this is unfair. But what would you do, like to do to expand RSS?
2: Well, I mean, look. I think the first thing I would say is because you know you didn't ask me the first question, which is you know, do I want RSS versus something oh, else? Yeah. So <laughs> let, let's start with the fundamentals. Okay. Um, yeah. So th- the first thing is is it, you know my philosophy on this stuff is is this technology is by itself not a strategy technology is is a tactic right in pursuit of a strategy right (laughs) and so our strategy right is to appeal to the medium's most passionate fans right but but our values right that undergird our strategy are about free and open ecosystems Right.
3: Right.
2: right that we are we are deeply committed to free and open ecosystems the, one of the first questions, so, so the reason I'm in this role right now is because of someone I admire very, very, um, very deeply, very, you know, very strongly. And, and so I'm going to do a name check. Um, Laura Walker, who ran New York Public Radio for 24 years and is the executive as uh, responsible for the rise of of of, of podcasting, um, you know, in terms in terms of turning people on to to storytelling and thinking about how podcasting could be discreet from just radio storytelling. Um, I, I think of her as being really instrumental, you know, working with Jad and Robert over at the Radio Lab and growing that. And and so I have a lot of admiration for her and, and her public service and all the great work she did for the 24 years she ran that she ran that group. She brought me in and one of the first questions she asked me in the summer of I guess it was 2017, she said, Hey, you know, I'm really thinking about putting together a coalition and so on. And, you know, we you know, the you know, the one of one of the folks I worked with very closely is now at NPR and we have a we have a friend in Chicago and we're thinking about doing this thing. And, you know, what's, what's your take on this, you know, build versus buy? And the second question she asked me was, should we do something that's just focused on the public media sort of content that's coming out, you know, the, the public radio content? Or, or should we just, should we think about open ecosystems here? And I said, you have to think about open ecosystems. It's really clear because you can't explain the difference to an end user, first of all, right? Why would they only see one kind of content versus another, right? And if you're trying to grow the medium and there's so much upside, we have to imagine that the best thing that we can do um, in our role is to educate people about how great the medium is, right? And you have to do that in partnership with the diversity of content creators. And that uh, when you close these walls off, what you're doing, right, is you're trying to aggregate a lot of the value into one corner, <clears throat> luminary. Uh, but I mean, you could say the same thing about uh, uh, about Spotify in their own way for very different reasons. And And that this open ecosystem, and by the way, she agreed with me, This open ecosystem philosophy underpins everything that we do. And right now, to get to answering your question, what is the best technological framework to support an open ecosystem approach? Well, that's RSS. It's clear, right? right? Right. Could we be using JSON? Yes. Okay. But what kind of dislocation, what kind of disruption, what kind of value destroying for both producers and users would there be? In order to migrate this universe from one technological framework to another and think about all of the value. And I'm thinking about value, not in terms of money. I'm thinking about companionship. I'm thinking about, you know, the emotional benefits of the medium. I'm thinking about the ability of storytellers to reach audiences and touch them and interact with them Mm -hmm. and so on. Like, that's the value I'm thinking of being destroyed, right? Data migrations, as it is, even simple ones, are rivers (laughs) of blood. Right? Yes. I know you both know right. this. I've been doing this a long time.
1: Yeah. 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 And it's all, so all of the, the retooling and uh, updating the software to make changes to support different types of frameworks. It just, you know, is is there enough value? <laughs> and that's the question I keep asking. Is there enough value there to justify any kind of a change like that? And, I you know, that's where Todd and I came to this conclusion that if, if there's improvements that need to be made, then let's make the improvements to the RSS2 spec. And, and not, we're not talking about changing anything.
0: We're talking about adding adding to enhancing, enhancing. but it will not be successful. This effort, as I've told this group from the beginning, and there's probably a hundred people on a Slack channel that's talking about this. I said, this will not be successful unless we can get the app developers to say, this is cool. Let's support it. Because in the end,
3: they're listening. They're listening here
0: last mile that's right and if it doesn't, doesn't there, if it doesn't, it doesn't get there it it, right. it doesn't matter yeah i can add some features it makes my directory more cool and you know i can do a few things to you know but if we can't get it here i, I don't even want to start you know be honest with you i don't want to start the conversation because i right. understand Absolutely. the uphill va- that uh, uphill battle when we introduced subscribe on android which Pocket Cast support a number of years ago just to make it easy just to click an android to get an app to launch and bring up a show to be able to subscribe to have the same function as Apple Podcasts, it took me two years to get 13 apps to support that. And, you know, so that was one and it was like eight lines of code and we gave the code away. I mean, you know, to just cut and paste in your app and you're you're good. And I'm simplifying. It's probably more complicated than that. But if we're going to make changes and add stuff to RSS, I got to have at least Marco, you guys, I gotta, I I gotta have you know the top ten apps say, yeah, that's cool. This is worthy. It's good for the listeners. Add it, and because if you don't, if you say, yeah, we'll we'll put that on the dev schedule three years from now,
1: it's not worth it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's never going to get built if it gets put on your dev schedule three years from now. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right.
2: So you know. My response to sort of what I'd like to see is, you know, we would put this very much through the lens of, you know, what, what creates the, 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 the highest listener benefit and prioritize thus, right? Because it's always about, you know, how do you make the life, you know, the experience of the user richer, deeper, more satisfying, right? If you're doing that, you know, you're incentivizing producers to create something of, of value. But I think that's the first prism. The second prism obviously is how do we help? Producers become more independent, more successful, more sustainable, and so on. So those are the two prisms I would always uh, approach this this problem through. So that's my way of saying I don't have an answer, but I would right. look at it through those <laughs> those prisms. Um, I, and I think you know there there is another piece to this as well, which is that we should be very really mindful of some of the existing features and functionality that already exist inside of these specs yep. that have not been broadly adopted. I, I have a wonderful, right. I have a really wonderful. Uh, anecdote for you, which is that I got a call from one of these really well-funded, um, you know, high-quality producers who we, we're, you know, we work with closely all the time. Good people, you know, um, good storytelling. Not, nothing to complain about. These people are in it for all the right reasons. They happen to have uh, had a nice exit. God bless. So they're calling me and they're saying, "Hey, you know, we want you to fix chapter support inside your app." <laughs> and I go, right. "We already support chaptering inside the app. I right. don't understand." Well, you know, we use this host and monetization platform and because of DAI, right, right. it breaks the chaptering support. That's right. I think I told right. Rob. Right. I think I told Rob the story already. And and no. so I, I turn to the person and I say, well, it sounds to me like you should have a conversation with your host. That's right. right. Oh, right. no, they're not going to prioritize <laughs> it. So we're hoping that you can build a workaround for it. Remember, it's not broken on our side right so just think about perverse incentives right the the producer for whom for whom this host and monetization mechanism is a vendor they pay them money couldn't get the vendor that they pay to fix the problem so they're coming to us where it's not broken
0: to do a workaround
3: correct
2: (laughs) so that's so so before we start you know and again i'm you have to push the state of the art forward. So this is not me saying no, don't do anything to right, RSS 2 right. No, this is me saying let's be mindful of you know the the facts on the ground now because it's one of those one of those things where you know there's some weird perverse incentives and strange stuff happening already with with really good features that already exist that don't get uh, that don't get served.
0: You know, and I, I um, kind of lost my train of thought, but I think that the, I think you and I agree to that point and. You know, there was all kinds of crazy ideas that were put in. I'm just, I'm looking at those. I'm like, agenda, agenda. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, no. Yeah. So, you know, and hey, I've got, I'm a podcast host CEO. I've got agendas, right? But I'm sure. also, I'm also a content creator, right? So I'm also wearing two hats. So I have to think about, okay, l- we got to build listeners. Listeners, are the, this is what's going to drive the space, going to make space more monetizable. It's going to pay right. bills for people. Get donations, whatever model you right. have, right we, we have to build yeah. we have to build more listeners, and we have to also, like you said, think about the tools and the in giving podcasters viable data back that allows them to make better content and I think that's a you know a big part of this too so I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the meeting goes and and there's you know this is just again kind of exploratory and if we end up with uh, 100 cats going five different ways it's maybe it's not going to work but uh, we're, we're going to
1: try and we'll see what happens well, Todd, I I know, no, doubt, a,
2: no doubt you'll try yeah
1: yeah i think as a host we're we're kind of sitting in the middle of this relationship right between yeah. the content creators and the and the listeners um which the the app Creators on the listening side kind of control access to the listeners as well. So we have this kind of this. As hosts, we we have a very important role in this. But I also want to ask Owen too about, you know, should a lot of these potentially new features that we we would maybe want to extend into RSS, um, do a lot of those ideas need need to come from the listening platforms or yourself, right? Um, and and how might we be able to? to elicit that feedback uh, more from the the listener side or the or the app or the technology layer at the you know at at your end of the spectrum. I mean is there should we add have some way of of doing that as an ecosystem where where you know any changes need to come from you down into, you know, this big of the group and and um, and I would love to, you know, have you maybe speak at our our uh, our meeting at Podcast Movement to to talk about this topic too of trying to get more of the listening apps in, engaged in this conversation.
2: But well, we're certainly open to having the conversation. We do not think of ourselves as the keepers of any you know baroque uh, you know inaccessible uh, information. Right. We see ourselves as part a uh, one piece of the okay. value chain. Um, and we're, we're, you know, we're relatively humble about, you know, our ability to predict the future. I'm not a big fan of future prediction. I am a big fan of, you know, carefully, um, paying attention to, you know, the wants, the needs, the, the requests of our, of our, of our users, right. And, and of users of the, of the medium more broadly. So, um, you know, I, I think that we have to be careful, Uh, to not engineer something that doesn't speak to the lived experience of listeners. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, We were approached just the other day by someone who wanted to create a third tab, right? You've got the play screen, then you've got show notes, and they wanted to create a third tab, which was almost like an interactive timeline of content connected to uh, triggers inside of the feed. And so they they mentioned a piece of music, and then they mentioned a video, and they mentioned and there's this beautiful, wonderful, and I'm like looking at this thing and I'm going, wow, that's a lot. And, you know, if I didn't know more, if I hadn't been in the app business since 2008, I might have thought to myself, gee, Willikers, guys, who wouldn't love that? And then I remembered that I know how apps get used by men and women. Right. Right. I hit play, I find the podcast I want, it goes in, in my, pocket. my pocket. Right.
3: In, in your pocket.
2: pocket. And then I don't Never take it out so again until either someone... that right so so we just again the again i i I, people who don't come from the space particularly people who don't come from audio are always in this place not always but often in this place of being very jealous of the mediums that require that you do this right right and what's beautiful about podcasting what's beautiful about it is i can walk my freaking dog and not get run over yeah, I can do the dishes. I can go for a run. I can be on the train. I can be even reading a magazine. I can be doing all sorts of different things. Right. Right. As And, 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 and with this story as my companion, do not, if we forget that key insight, we're lost. We're done. We're lost. We're done.
1: <laughs> right. That's a value. Sorry. Sorry that <laughs> I'm being emotional about it. But a, I'm like, I just want people to say, like, how me?
2: do you listen yeah. to a podcast? Is there solutions in search of problems? Right. God bless them all.
0: Right. You know, it's, yeah. and it's, it's in, and, and I hate you know I don't want to ding on chapters, but it's the same thing. It with, I understand people h- find value in chapters, but I'm saying, well, most people are just sticking the phone in their pocket or purse or purse and, or they're using this,
2: right. Right. You right. know, right.
0: They're right. not even tiny screen on it. So, and, and we're here, you know, it's not, here, so yeah, I, I and for those of you that are listening, I just put my hand in front of my eyes. So yeah, and when I said
2: that we're not doing this, I put the phone up to my face, right? Which is something that you don't generally see people doing when they're listening to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, look, th- th- these are these are again not they are not bugs. Yeah, they're not problems to be solved right. about the medium. They are the they are the features and benefits of the of the medium, and we should protect them with everything that we have. So, but anyway. Rob, I just wanted to address Rob. Rob, sure. I was supposed to speak on a panel um, Friday evening at Podcast Movement with the lovely talented, brilliant Sharon Taylor from Omni Studios. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have to be, unfortunately, with my parents that weekend. So because of the lateness of the panel, I had to bow out, which I'm very sorry to because I would love to see all of you guys out there and, of course, it was my pleasure to do anything where she was uh, associated with it because she's a firecracker and brilliant. Um, so I won't see you guys there, but but that doesn't mean I don't want to be involved and it doesn't mean I don't accept your offer, um, you know, to be part of any working group that you guys want to put together. So, so you can certainly count me in on that front.
0: You know, what's funny is yeah. Marco, you spoke to Marco earlier, he joined the group and Marco has the ability to, how should we say it? When someone comes up with an idea, he, he is very direct. He takes his pen out or his, and he, his keyboard. he just, you know, <laughs> And he very poignantly says, "Why, why, why do I need that? Well, you know, that's why you know." And he asks questions because we have these grandiose ideas. And he says, "Why, why, why do we? What is the benefit?" And so it's good because me as a host would like two or three, four or five different things, and you as a having listening you want two or three, four or five different things. They're obviously going to be different, and then sometimes again. Do we really need it? Do we, and if we don't need to mess with the ecosystem, we don't mess with the ecosystem. We leave it alone. And, um, or if we find what and, and I tried to tell the group, let's find three things. <laughs> three, because they were come up like this. So we'll get, let's have a top 10 list. I said, if we can get three implemented, that would, that would be great. But, and we'll, we'll see. We'll That's see actually more. a
1: lot to get implemented. Well, yeah, three is a lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Three is right. a lot.
0: Yeah,
2: three is like a stretch goal. One is like a good outcome.
0: <laughs> and they wanted a list of ten, and I'm like, I, yeah. even my dev team, if I said, "Here's ten new elements that we have to support," I'm gonna get the look like, uh, "Come yeah, here, we, yeah. we need to have a meeting."
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 really good that people like Matt um, Marco are involved because you know he is he comes at it from the developer perspective and he's such a talented engineer and product guy. Um, you know, and I, I have worked my entire career alongside of engineers. I'm not an engineer. I know just enough to be dangerous. And, and so it's always good. I mean, my take on this is, you know, I'm not in it to tell people that they're wrong. I'm just here to try to remind people about what's special, unique, and differentiated about this medium and why we care about it. And as long as we keep that in the center point of our target, we should be fine, right? I think that, um, you know, as you see with some folks who are involved in startups, although this is not always the case, and some folks who are involved in, you know, uh, uh, you know, deep pocketed, uh, you know, new entrance into the scene, what they often the mistake that they made is they, they don't have the same kind of reverence um, and appreciation for the medium, um, maybe they don't listen enough, or maybe they haven't sort of given enough thought to why we care so much about storytelling, um, you know, in, in this format, you know, that, that has come to us in this way. Right. And the medium in some ways is the message. The way we listen, the reasons that we listen, the the space that it takes up in our lives, the emotional benefits that are associated therein. That's the message, right? That's what we're trying to protect. And then there could be any kind of set of storytelling and storytellers and formats and you know periodicities of content publishing and so on. But it's it's less about those kinds of innovations and it's more about the fact that this is of great emotional value to us in a way world where it's clickbait headlines and screaming and yelling and flame wars on on social media, isn't it great to be able to take twenty minutes or forty minutes or two hours and go really in depth on something that interests you or that you care about or that resonates with you in some way, shape, or form? And that's what we need to protect.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, I I've uh I try to listen to a hundred new shows every two weeks. I don't always get it wow. done. And I try to keep notes and you know, I use some tools to do that, but some shows, you know, it's just, you know, let you know, it's the full variance and I, I listen to everything and it's, you know, you know, if you can hold my attention for 15 minutes, I'm listening to a hundred shows. I'm this, you're, you're pretty good. You're you've, you've made an impression on me and I'll listen all the way through, but a lot of shows lose me at the first two or three minutes. And I think if we can get podcasters to understand those are creating content out there that, um, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts or a good podcasts. You'll become a better podcaster. Um, and I don't know, kind of off topic here a little bit, I guess. But I think my, my point was, is there's just something there for everyone. And on the, right. the most obscure and the beauty of it again is there's no entry. You know, there's no barrier to entry and, you, and no gatekeepers. As long as there's no gatekeepers in the space, I'm, I'll remain very, very happy to my dying days. <laughs> well, let me
2: turn this back around on you guys, since you guys are both, um, let, let's take your podcast hat off for a second. Let's talk sure. about you guys from the Blueberry and Libsyn perspective. So gatekeepers, right? So you could argue that um, Spotify could very easily become or is, has become a kind of gatekeeper and they have a little bit of a mixed model, right? And what I mean by mixed is they do allow people to submit feeds, right? But there's also a whole lot of content that they host right? On their platform, not the not the traditional RSS model, but literal hosting of content on their servers served from their backend into their apps. And mm. how do you think about the relative risk versus payoff of access to their captive audience versus their very open, at least they're not trying to lie about it, desire to kind of corner the market. And the way that they can achieve the right kind of market dynamics and economic outcomes is for them to control as much of the value chain as possible. And they're not lying about it. They're being really honest about right. it. So how, as, as posts, how do you think about the trade-offs there? Because do you worry that they're, that they're, you know, that they use the open nature of the ecosystem? And now I'm leading the question a little sure. bit, just to the point where they have uh a center of gravity big enough where they can pull the rug out underneath from underneath us.
0: Well, if if you, if you look at what they did is they were, they're very tactical. And I think they maybe didn't realize what they were. Maybe they figured out as they were going, but you know, they made a partnership with Libsyn initially and got this groundswell of shows that wanted to be in. There was this whole ecosystem of shows they couldn't be in because of this exclusive relationship. Then they opened the gates to eight, nine, 10, 12 of us. And then, then, they allowed that, that group of people. And then there was still some people that were de-enfranchised because they're either their host or they were self-hosting or whatever. And yeah. then they add the third part where they could self-submit and be part on the platform. So they, they built this super desire by podcasters to be on the platform. But, so I have a very wide work base. I have um, Gen X millennials um, in my workforce. And how do you listen to podcasts? And I have people on my team that listen on Spotify. I have people that listen with traditional podcast apps. And I think from my perspective, and regardless of what Spotify is doing from a business standpoint, I, can't, of course, this is, uh, it's this unfair question because my roots are in, I don't care where they listen, as long as they listen. But Rob, you know, I guess, and there is this, Relationship that we're having with them because we talk to them almost on a well, not maybe email almost every day because of copyright infringement and everything else that goes on. If people are putting music in their shows and they're getting bounced off the platform, blah, 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 all that. So if the podcasters want to be there. And if the podcasters want to be there, we have to support it. Um, Do you feel
2: you have a role to play in educating them about potential risks down the road?
0: I, yes. And I've also been very, Direct with Spotify too. I've had private meetings with them and had frank conversations. Now they can take my input and take it for what it's worth. And our podcasters, but we, you know, we have, I, I don't know, I don't want to be the old curmudgeon and, and say, you have to be careful. <laughs> I don't know, Rob, what do you think about this? I don't know. Maybe I'll step back.
1: Well, and- I don't think that, the, uh- that what Spotify is doing is really that much of a risk to the medium, first of all. Um, okay. just, just, just for the simple reason is that no one can capture the open nature of the podcasting space and control it. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of folks that are fairly new to it think that they can. I would put Spotify in that uh, area. Um, but if you're really back up and you look at the big picture of it, Um, you know even an apple um, can't do it even i mean the largest companies in the world i mean they just can't contain this Um, it's not something that is i don't think going to ever be successfully converted into dominated and controlled by a proprietary platform in its entirety and i think uh, spotify can try they can they can post stuff on their platform but and and also make it available off their platform, but at some point, there there is going to be pushback from external distribution off of Spotify, as they push harder into that area. It, you know, there is a potential at some point that Apple could choose not to take content from Spotify, or or you guys could choose not to take content that's hosted on Spotify for competitive reasons. So, you know, I think that there is a natural balance that can, that that will happen, um, that that will uh, keep. You know this medium more open, but but with that, if we look at the numbers, the gains on
0: just basic iOS continue to increase, and the Spotify numbers. So what Spotify is, we we as is on the creator hat, we should be doing backflips. They're bringing in a massive number of new listeners, right, exactly to to the to the space. That is, but un- they're not
1: going to control it. That, no, that's the key question. No, All right.
0: And and
2: They've got 210 million captive users and they're turning some of these people on to to podcasting. And these people were primarily music listeners. And so for them, the medium is still quite new. And in as much as they can convert those listeners, that should be good for podcasting writ large. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, Rob gave a pretty interesting and I think compelling, uh, you know, rebuttal to worries about them trying to, you know, close the drawbridge, as it were.
0: You know, I, you know, the bigger concern I have and, you know, I, I don't know your guys' infrastructure, but many of the listening apps are wholly and completely dependent upon Apple for their directory listing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm and, very aware of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, and again, agenda time. So just, you know, being straight up, you know, I've got 800,000 shows in a directory that we have APIs that can be used to, to populate apps and update them and so forth. So I'm not worried. I know that if Apple ever pulls the plug, you know, my phone's going to explode. That's, that's cool. We're, <laughs> we're, we're here and we're ready. But at the same time, I'm hoping that uh, app developers, Pocketcast, everyone included, will have their own mechanisms of discovering. Cause there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, we, we go and troll everywhere. There's a lot of stuff that is not in Apple podcasts that is, you know, I've got about 40,000 shows that are not in Apple podcasts, but are active podcasts that aren't in any app unless someone manually adds them. So I think that, um, and they probably do get at, you know, when people find a show and they add it to their list or, or manually add it. But, um, I just hope that the app developers don't become wholly dependent upon Apple.
2: I, I look, I, I'm sure that every app developer um, at scale is thinking about this. And you can rest assured that we not only are thinking about this, but have already m- taken um, very clear action to mitigate uh, that potential risk. So I'm not going to come on here sure, and, and, I, and, I, and to I, specific and, and I'm sure things. that
0: risk is very tiny. It would be to their detriment to shut that down. Uh, I,
2: I will tell you this i will tell you this interestingly um it's another funny anecdote it's sort of like you know i i i, I don't mind a grand gesture every now and again i'm not yeller and a screamer but i don't <laughs> mind a grand gesture last year last year at uh, uh at um hot pod i sat on a panel uh and nick uh asked me a question about you know what's the place that a pocket cast had. this is again a year ago already what what place could a pocket cast or a breaker or a you know over what could you possibly have in this day and age and you know i i made my uh my strong emotional statement about the medium's most passionate fans and you know putting podcasts first and so on and so forth but i also said hey i said look you know google is on version three or four depending on how you're counting of, of their attempt to do this and i still see links for google play everywhere and all over the web and you know and i and again i know that they're Trying to do it but you know if you know anything about google you know that they always have multiple teams working on the same problem in silos blah blah you, everyone knows this about yeah. google that's just how they they, they love that uh, controlled chaos uh, element um you know and I, I mentioned with spotify i mentioned something about spotify i mentioned exactly what you just said that spotify is bringing more attention to the industry and we should all welcome that um and then i said and you know apple has uh, played the role of absentee landlord you know they they they, they uh, they've been the industry leader for a long time and we appreciate all that they've done and, you know, they they've sort of uh, they've been somewhat passive and uh, it went to question and answer time. And Steve Wilson uh, asked the first question. And you know what he asked me? He said, is PocketCast still using the Apple API? Oh, uh,
1: of course. Right. Yeah.
0: You first know, question, so that that. makes make sure all eyeballs go big. Um, that was a
2: year ago. <laughs> we, that was a year ago. So trust me, we've had our conversations since
0: then. Well, Robin, I've been talking about this for five years. So welcome. You know,
2: I, mean, look, I don't. Th- I agree with you. I agree with you, Todd. I I don't think they would do that. I think it's a, uh, it's against brand for them right, to do something right, right. like that. But I'm just saying, Steve asked me the question.
0: So so just so you know, if you if you want to back up, we've got an API. Oh, sure.
2: By the way, so, uh, I-, I think our friends at I think our friends at ACast have a backup. I think there are a lot of people out there who are thinking. Yeah. About
0: it. So, right. 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 But you know, I- if we think about Apple though, well, look what they're doing. I think they have woke up sure I, I agree i you know we've seen some activity here in the last uh nine months or so that says apple has taken notice of what spotify has done so we'll see and those
2: guys don't like each other. those guys do not like each other so if there's anyone who could spur apple into taking action i mean whether it's some of the hires that they've made you know on the podcast or engineering side or if you look to see zach Pond, who was very good at doing podcasts uh promotion uh for for Vox moved over there to work on their podcast PR and comms team. Yeah, I mean I think you see moves here and there. You see the the Bloomberg story over the summer, you know, their announcement of doing uh original content around the Apple Plus shows. You know, it's it's interesting too because the stories have all have been sort of all over the value chain map, right? So it's not just one kind of story. Oh, Apple's gonna do content or Apple's just going to do engineering or Apple's just going to do marketing and promotion. It's like it's it's like a it's like a uh, uh, you know, a panoply of different things that they're doing. So, so yes, I think you're absolutely right. They are they are taking action. God bless. That's so, good. So good for the industry that and, do that.
0: and we know our Apple friends listen to the show. So because we often get little, yeah, something is said at an event or something. So you know, Rob and I, I think both have taken the point. You know, having been in the space from the beginning when there was no Apple, when we were iPodder and just a few rudimentary apps that were allowing us to sync to an iPod or another you know device. I think, I don't know where my little device is. It had 256K yeah. of memory. Um, uh-huh. Oh, right here it is. Um, I keep it here as a reminder of, of where we were before.
2: Yes, I remember that <laughs> device. Windows so, Media Player. I had a Rio, had a too, Rio right? if you guys remember, it was <laughs> yeah. 128K.
0: Right, right. So I think I, I could put, those. put like six or seven episodes on there. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, we would not be here without them today. It, it, that's nope. just that's just a simple fact. And um, we're like I like it when we see new apps come on the space, and there's new competition, and give different ways of doing things. Um, and I know it's very very hard. I know you guys probably look at the numbers and say, oh man, well, I wish we could gain some more percentage points. It you know it's 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 hard. I understand. I don't envy what you folks have to do and to continue to build brand and continue to get your app out there. Uh, It's tough because when it comes on the, on the phone, you know, a lot of people don't go look anywhere else, but at the same point, you you mentioned Google and if anyone has the ability to really change the space and, you know, all they have to do is add audio or podcast, you do go to google.com and, and all they need is to have a button on there like they do now for images that says podcast. This
1: pod they used to have that
0: I know, but if that was ever to be put up there as a as a as a you know not a parent but a you know I know not a child but a parent linking on that page, it could change a whole bunch of stuff. But at the same point, the 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 strategy for Android so far has been horrible. But they're faced with OEMs that they have to negotiate every app that gets put on a on a Android phone. So what do they, you know, they've got Gmail, they've got their four, five, six, seven, ten app. But just to get one more, they it's it's a it's it's a major deal over there. And you won't see that trickle out into three, four, five years because these deals are so they Google's got a ways to go, but they could really change the Android game. And the Android listeners, we know the Android listeners are missing from the missing in action in many instances. And it's partly the podcaster's fault as much as it is Google's well, I mean, a
1: lot. I mean, a lot of the problem is that a lot of the Android phones are fairly limited in their resources in those devices. Yeah. So there's a lot of lot of sensitivity to preloading um, content. Well, and preloading that, preloading
0: yeah. apps. You know what? Does, right. what, that, is, that, what is what is? Mean. You know, yeah. when you get an Apple phone, you know what you're getting. You know, it's right. ha- right. they they own right. that, and Google doesn't own right. all the phones. They can't tell Samsung. You know, Samsung does its preload, and they have. And then Google has to fight their, their OEM apps that go on there. And that's why I think we haven't had an OEM podcast app from, from Google that automatically delivered on the devices.
3: Yeah,
0: so, and in
2: micro, you've just described the macro reason for why Apple is the most um, you know, valuable consumer brand on planet Earth, which is that they, they own the entire value chain. Right. right. And they have been very good stewards. I think I got my first iPhone it was the iPhone three, so which was technically the second model <laughs> mm-hmm. um and I've never looked back uh the devices work uh it's a great product. I am Skyping to you from a MacBook pro. I'm a apple fanboy. I'm wearing airPods, right? So yeah. you know their stuff just works and and they own the entire value chain, and with google it's quite it's quite a different uh platform, right. so it's a little bit right. apples and a little bit apples and oranges, but it's not just that they uh they've owned these platforms and been good stewards of them. It's also that they have been you know, um, as a company, very focused on creativity and creators, whether we're talking about, you know, the fact that, you know, in their lean years, in the nineties, graphic designers still loved using max, uh, mm-hmm. to the fact that so many musicians use max to compose. Uh, I mean, you, you name it. So many podcasters are, are, uh, have always used max for a lot, for obvious reasons. They are absolutely the reason we're all here. And there would be no pocket cap was it, for, it, uh, for
0: Apple, you know, and OS no Owen- if you think about this too, let's, let's say in two years, Google says, Hey, we've got this new API and Pocket Cast, you can tap into that API. And what we're going to give you access to is contextual search results for all index podcasts that we went through. And so if someone wants to, right. so if someone wants to find an, a snippet on a Rayovac AA battery, this is a stupid example but you're going to find someone talking about a Rayovac AA battery and you're going to find that show. And I think Google has the opportunity and will, number one, will they open that up to you to let you tap it? And number two, are they, or will they keep that contained and try to move the space as if Spotify has a little bit here? So I, and I, I don't know, we'll see, but I think they can. It depends can.
2: which part of Google you ask. Right.
0: <laughs> right. You know, but they are the 800 pound gorilla. They could kill us all in an in innocent, you know, so we could all be out of business. Um, or at least the hosting companies could be, you know. We, well, we wouldn't go out of business today, but it, it would be very ugly uh, in Indeed. a few years. So you know, we'll see. Yeah, we are
2: all rounding errors <laughs> of rounding errors for these people. There's no question.
0: Right. We are
2: you know and we have lots you know we have lots of friends both at apple and google who have been extremely supportive of what we're doing with Pocket Cast. and i've worked <laughs> with some of the guys in the app store like going back to the very very beginning of of the app store going back to 2008
0: but at the shout same out, but at the same time but at the same time you're like i know what they're why? capable of
1: <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly why are we doing this right Hey, I wanted exactly. to just change the subject a little bit in the last few minutes that we have on the show and talk a little bit about um premium as oh, well as yes. donation models as it relates to your your listening platform. Uh, and yep. your thinking on those areas.
3: So
2: um as it pertains to paywall content, um, hmm. you know, I think the jury's still out only because the medium still has so much headroom to grow um in terms of uh, just um you know the the onboarding listeners into the app i think the last uh data that we saw uh from the edison research was that just about 50% of americans um had ever listened to podcasts and 33ish percent something like that were listening uh regularly right so right. there's still a lot of headroom for the industry to become broadly adopted for the medium to become i should say broadly adopted And I don't think you want to be slicing and dicing the business up into little, um, bantu stands of, you know, some content here, some contents there, uh, while there's still so much growth. And, and also the medium has had a strong and rich tradition of all of the content being available, um, for free. Now that doesn't mean that you can't create some premium models as long as they're not, uh, the only thing that you're doing. I I think of Wondery plus or even think of Stitcher, what they're doing. And I see that as smart market research about where the industry is heading.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, as and, and by the way, I think they should be doing that. They should be thinking about different business models, different way to transact with listeners. There's some listeners who will have no or very little willingness to pay. There's some listeners who will have a very high willingness to pay based on their emotional engagement with the content, right? And, and understanding uh, the difference between those different listeners, I think is really critical and you're you're remiss you know, in your, in your responsibility um, in the space if you're not thinking about that, because I know we are. Um, on the donation side, uh, obviously there are a lot of platforms that are already supporting those use cases. And what I would say is that we see uh, north of 15% of all, those, of all of the subscribed feeds inside of our app are for paid or private feeds, hmm. right? And, and half of the, that 15% right off the top, um, no surprise to anybody is Patreon. Right. But there's also, you know, there's also Slate Plus in there. There's also uh, Stitcher. There's also there's a whole bunch of other players who are in there. Right. But we already know that listeners are using our app to access paid and private feed. And then the last thing I'll just mention is obviously um, our partners are public media and they're thinking about how you create uh, you know, scalable uh, digital membership and podcast membership uh, options for engaged listeners. And we want to be part of helping to solve for some of those problems. I think what's, what we need to figure out for ourselves in Pocket Cast is how much of the value chain is it appropriate for us to own. My current philosophy on this is, and this is something that we're all very dedicated to, the whole company is dedicated to, is making sure that for people who have opted in for paid and private feeds, right, that our experience is as seamless and user-friendly as possible. right? Because we're not going to be the top of the funnel. We know that a lot of the listening is happening outside of our app, but once a listener decides to make that choice to opt in, lay down a credit card or some kind of payment of some kind, they should know that our app is going to just be just work, just work seamlessly. And that's a real focus for us right now. We're actually working on that literally right now, making sure that that's as good uh, and, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and satisfying an experience as possible. And we're talking to every player you might expect about making sure that that's the case.
3: Yeah, because so are, go ahead, oh,
1: Rob. I was uh, I was going to ask about the um, the technical ways of doing that. Um, are you looking at supporting um, pa- password protected access to media files uh, using Open RSS feeds, or are you looking at password protected RSS feed support? Or what's your philosophy, kind of kind of moving forward with that?
2: Well, right now, the the folks who we've had conversations with, um, you know, with the exception of one of the players, and I, I'm not going to name names because they may feel like their 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 technology is is uh, proprietary, what have you. But most of them are just basically using simple, you know, separate RSS feeds for the private content, and and everybody right. understands that there are issues and it's with all that. Open. It's can, all
1: open. It's not password. protection. Yeah. So so far, So far,
2: there, yeah. There's one. There's one. There's one player in particular who I just had a conversation with who actually is doing something where there is an authentication model of some kind. We don't want people to have like a web intent open up in their face and have it a re authenticate. We need to create a way, uh, you know, to recognize that user so that it's seamless. And that's something we would have to work on, but it's absolutely part of the conversation.
1: So more of a, Probably a token-based uh, relationship with a, a particular publishing platform, right? Okay.
2: Yeah, I, I don't like to be prescriptive. What I want right. to do is make sure that the solution doesn't add more complexity to the end user. So if tokens right. allow us to get there, great. Let's use a, some kind of token auth. If there's another kind of authentication methodology, I don't like to be prescriptive. I'm not the guy writing the code. We'll figure it out. It's,
3: it's just it's just code. Right. right.
0: Yeah, when you get into those private podcasting solutions, it gets intimately complicated, including, you know, there's six or seven different matrices you can go down to on level of security. So it's, yeah, the premium stuff is relatively easy. Uh, It's The other piece is harder.
2: You know what I really like, though? I really like how many bright, thoughtful people are coming into the space and trying to think about this idea specifically. I mean, I just think of one example would be Amir Valani, who's, um, yeah, at Glow.fm. Cool. Um, she's not the only example, but she's a really good example of someone who came into the industry for the right reasons, is trying to find the right kinds of partners, is trying to build a solution, you know, is thinking about this in terms of community, not just in terms of dollars. Um, she's just terrific. And I, and I hope, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm wishing the very best for them. And, but that's just one example. I mean, she's in New York. It's easy for me to say that. You know, I've, I've spent time with her. But you know, there's Red Circle. There's a whole bunch of folks who are trying to do good stuff. And um, you know, I'm not here to try to pick a winner. I'm here to try to make the experience uh, for the user uh, as pleasant, right, and enjoyable and seamless as possible.
0: Rob, we got about three minutes left. Any last
3: questions?
1: What's your thoughts on the the overall growth of the podcasting medium? or are you? St- Feeling that we're going to see faster growth here in the next couple of years than we've seen over the the, the prior couple of years? What's your kind of growth prediction on what's happening to the medium?
2: Do you want me to put my Tom Webster hat on? Shouts to Webster. I do. Where are you at, Webster?
0: He's probably watching. He's probably watching. He usually is. Shouts.
2: (laughs) He knows I'm a fan. He knows I'm a fan. Well, I mean, if Tom's research is any indication, yeah, you know, the velocity is increasing and we all should be super, super excited. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is, is getting the, the, is moving from that place of awareness of the medium to, okay, yeah, now I'm ready to actually try a podcast and go through the motions. Like, Oh, I read about it in the New York times. I was just reading the weekend times before we jumped on this call. They just had uh, a whole uh, page in the art section about podcasts that they would like, you know, they just did an editorial piece about eight or 10 podcasts. Everyone should check it out today in the times, uh, support good journalism. Um, that, uh, uh, it, and it wasn't even a big thing. It wasn't even like they had to explain to the listener what's a podcast and where you should look. No, they're just like, here are a great podcast. This is great storytelling. Like it was no big deal. I always look for indicators like that, you he know, can. in terms of, are we rounding the corner? So yes, the velocity, in my opinion is increasing, you know, for us, the trick is the top of the funnel is getting filled really quickly, but you know, we sit further down the funnel You're going to have to be really interested in the medium to want to take a look at us. So how quickly are those people who come in the top of the funnel graduating to being, you know, advanced, passionate, you know, really dedicated, really, really, you know, intellectually and emotionally engaged listeners.
0: The key is to get give the podcasters something that makes them talk about your app on every single show.
1: So, So, yeah, so that. That leads me to think that your your philosophy in the medium is is pushing you towards thinking of your app as the premium experience on the listening side. Is that hundred percent? Is that hundred percent? Okay, right,
2: hundred percent. And not only that, you'll see something from us within the next couple of days if you if you're uh, if you're a, 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 a astute observer of our app, you go into our Discover section, maybe even Monday, and you take a look <laughs> around. You'll see that uh, we're rolling out some new features that are very listener focused in terms of how we present lists, guest lists, curation, so on. But also something that's very focused on uh, meeting the needs of, of uh, podcasters who are trying to um, you know, match their content with the right audience. Right. And we're really excited for that.
0: Exciting stuff. Well, I, I'm just absolutely thrilled you came on the show and, and Rob was able to make this connection with you and get, get you on because really we don't get this perspective too much. We're always kind of complaining about it. And, uh, so it was nice to be, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we're just like, why don't the app developers do this and do that? Or, you know, and so it's good to have your perspective, uh, but I thank you yeah. for coming on, Rob, uh, fun. yeah. Owen, what's, I don't know if you give out your exact contact details, but what's the best way for people to, uh, no, to reach people out can, to you?
2: Anyone wants to reach out. Owen at pocketcasts.com. That's that simple. I mean, by the way, it's not hard to figure out anyway, because that's what we all use. Just the first name and pocketcasts.com. And my uh, Twitter handle, I you know, Twitter is a lot of fun. Um, I'm not like, uh, again, I'm not one of these yellers and screamers, but I like, I enjoy thoughtful conversation o- at Ogrover. Um, and shout at me, shout at me. I, I really enjoyed this, guys. <laughs> you guys are both super thoughtful. You know, I, I've been an admirer of Rob since his Zoom days. Shouts to Zoom, uh, great platform. Loved all my friends at Microsoft back in the day. Um, and I really appreciate what you guys are doing and what you're standing for in the industry. So thanks so much for having me.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks so
2: much.
3: Take care. All right, guys. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. Well, that gives you something to think about. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So,
1: yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we definitely need to get more, you know, of the listening side on this program to get their perspectives and. Get them involved, oh, the, you know. And honestly,
0: I, I don't spend a lot of time in all the apps. It's just, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's, it's it's interesting. I've spent more time re- recently in apps than I have in others. But uh, it is kind of a uh, interesting time to see what's going on there. And I, and I haven't looked to see what their market share is. But, you know, I, I hope he took to heart. If you give something to podcasters that they can rave about, it gives them information back. The podcasters will talk about it every single show because they want their listeners right. to be using that app because right. they're right. getting
1: those insights. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, if if Owen's Pocket Cast can create a better feature set listening experience um, than what Apple or Google's doing, I I think that that's their that's their niche going forward. Yeah. Uh, Mike says, "Isn't it time to plan for the?" Uh, Mike Wilkerson, "Isn't it time
0: to plan for the day the big boy slit throat?" <laughs> it's what's been needed in radio business for decades. So many people left in the lurch dead when they've outlived their usefulness. And, you know, Mike, it's interesting because I've been I had several calls this past week with people in radio, and uh, radio starting to realize, you know, that uh, I I was predicting radio had uh, ten to fifteen years left. And I talked to somebody in the radio industry the other day, and they they don't think it's got that much lifeline left. So I, I thought that was kind of, and it was a heavy duty industry person. So I thought that was interesting. And then I had to laugh about some other things I was told, but I'll keep that in confidence, but uh, that radio doesn't get podcasting yet. So I don't think we have to worry about them completely yet, but they'll figure it out. And well, it's th-
1: almost, I mean, if you look at what's really happening is that the radio's um, creating separate divisions. Yeah, and and radio is radio, and podcasting is podcasting, and they're two separate mediums. And radio is definitely thinking like that. They may not be saying that publicly, but uh, their actions speak louder than their their words. Uh, yeah. yeah, of sorts. And that's clearly what's happening.
0: Okay, so are we going to be back here
1: next week? No, what's what's I, I what's think,
0: next week? I, I think we are. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, everyone, we'll be back here same time, same channel, next Saturday yeah. at twelve Pacific, nine a.m. Eastern. Don't know what okay. we've got on top yet, but uh, you can reach out to me, Todd, at blueberry dot com or at Geek News on Twitter.
1: Yeah, and you can you can find me on Twitter too at Rob Greenley, and that's with two e's. And uh, you can. Certainly reach out to me via email if you want, G at uh, libson.com. And, uh, and if you've
0: been on live today, make sure you say hello in the chat room. Just say, hi, I was here. Thanks for listening. We want to know who you were, if you're willing to divulge. But uh, definitely appreciate everyone on today. So we'll see you next week on the new media show. Everyone take care.
3: Yeah, take um, care. Bye. Bye-bye.